My name is Nerdslayer, or you guys can call me Justin, and this is my save file. What's up, gamers? Welcome to episode 13 of the Save File Podcast, where like every video game character, every gamer has an origin story to share. I'm your host, Gold Lion, and today's guest is an independent video game journalist. I was checking out his YouTube, and uh, he's doing something out there that nobody else is doing. He has this YouTube series to where he does critical analysis for dead slash dying games. It's pretty in-depth. Uh, it's good lengthy videos, but... Uh, you know how it is in YouTube when there's lengthy videos, people just do it for the ads. But with his videos, it's actually full of information, in-depth analysis. You can really tell behind his work in the video that he really puts in the work to really give you the information and share. And it's it's pretty dope. I recommend you guys actually checking it out. Uh, the link to his YouTube will be in the description box below. Go ahead and check that out. Amongst other things, he has a uh, podcast that he live streams on Twitch. It's called Six Pixels Under, where it's pretty much the same thing, but he talks about the latest gaming news, and sometimes he has some credible res uh, credible people that come in as guests, and he comes in and they kind of talk about the latest things that goes on. But hey, I humbly and respectfully welcome to the podcast, Mr. Nerd Slayer. What's up, bro? How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. Of course, hey man, thanks for coming through, man. Seeing that, uh, seeing the amount of work from a viewer's perspective, I could tell that you put in a lot of work, and I, I'm pretty sure you have a whole team behind you, and there's a lot of time that you invest into it. So, thank you for coming on to the show. Yeah, actually, uh, it's mainly just me and my editor, and um, oh, okay, yeah, we're the main driving force behind the channel. Um, I would say that we're definitely community, uh, you know, sourced or helped because I have people in the community who will tell me things, who will point me in a direction, who tell me their personal story of a game and like all that stuff is helpful. But yeah, mostly it's just myself, my editor, and we do it all ourselves. Shout out to the editor. What's your editor's name? Tom. Tom, just Tom. Yeah, Tom. That, that's <laughs> what he goes by. Yeah, <laughs> Tom's really. Tom's from the UK, so he's across the pond. Oh, nice. So it's like Tom, like, like, wasn't it like MySpace Tom? Just Tom? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nothing more. I like it. All right, man, we're going to get right into it, dude. So, yeah, explain your first ex gaming experience. So my first gaming experience would definitely, it, it's hard exactly to pin it down, but I would say it's either the first time uh, that I played Zelda on the Super Nintendo or it was uh, the first time I played Street Fighter. Because for some reason, my dad had a uh, Super Nintendo. He wasn't the biggest gamer, but he happened to have one. It might have been my uncle's or something, but it was over at my house. And I remember just picking up the controllers and trying Super Nintendo. And I was like, the distinctive thing I remember about trying games when I was young was being really, really bad at them. But I had a lot of fun. So yeah, but I remember doing that the most. But like really playing games, I would say came when I got into like Diablo 1 on the PC. And I was like really young. I might have been seven, mm -hmm. <laughs> eight. <then. laughs> so this is where playing... it starts for all of us, man. Yeah, I was playing that young at Diablo uh, 1 on the PC. It was probably my first game. Yeah. Uh, which Zelda game? I think it might have been. Is it Link Awakening or Link the... to the Past? Yeah. It's one of those on the. Whatever one is on the. Super, Super Nintendo? Nintendo? Yeah, it's that one, Link to the Past. Okay, that's, yeah, that's, that's it then. But I also played the ones on Game Boy. I also played Majora's Mask, which is my favorite Zelda game. And 
so I like Zelda in general, but. And I'm assuming when you say Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2? It, it must have been Street Fighter 2, because I think Street Fighter 1 would have been too far back. Yeah. Yeah, it's Street Fighter 2, man. Woo! Good times with that game, man. Holy crap. All right, so the first thing we we're going to get into is character creation. So basically the background of your lives. So, but the first question I'd like to ask is your gamer tag. So how'd you think of Nerd Slayer? Nerd Slayer is, uh, it's, it's sort of a joke, but it's sort of realistic in a sense. It's, um, okay. so it started off uh, actually, um, when I were, uh, when I was playing, um, Guild Wars 2, um, I went by a tag that was, uh, X-Force, which was just, when I was a young, you know, kid playing Halo on the Xbox, it was like exiled force, you know, I was like trying mm-hmm. to be like the edgy kid, you know, like I'm, I'm exiled <laughs> or something. And then, and then it became x Force when I was playing Guild Wars 2 and then um after X-Force it kind of morphed into Nerd Slayer when I was playing Overwatch actually and mm-hmm. um I I had a, I was going to a tournament uh locally actually here in Austin they had a dream hack here so I went to a dream hack event uh at Overwatch and I needed a name so I was like well I want a name that sounds like it's cool that sounds like you know when someone says it out it would sound cool like you know when when someone says a name whenever someone scores or makes one they'd be like Nerd Slayer like I, I I thought it would be a cool name, but then it was also um, growing up that I, from both sides, have been seen as being a part of the other side. So like the the people who play sports and and the jocks, if you will, right, mm-hmm. have always kind of seen me as like, okay, I'm one of them, but I'm kind of the weird nerdy kid. And then yeah. the nerds were kind of like, you're kind of the weird sports kid. So like, it was it was kind of like the in between that I am definitely a nerd. There's no buts about that. But I've been doing martial arts since I was like. Uh, five or or something like that so it's been long time training martial arts and in, in, in real life and i think it's just like a, uh, a marrying of those two things together nerd slayer nerd slayer <laughs> that's pretty it's pretty good how long did it uh take you to think of that name uh that one actually did take me a while it's funny you, it's funny you ask that because uh, the other ones i would say just came that's probably why they're so bad but <laughs> they came so randomly uh over you know just random uh years but this one actually took time to like think of how would it sound if someone said my name versus like um an announcer saying my name you know like i th- actually was thinking about that so mm-hmm. i like that it's nerd slayer but i will say i abbreviate it a lot of the time to ns just because for my channel since it's a lot more noir uh it's a lot more like uh you know, when a detective signs his name, he doesn't sign his whole name. He just signs his initials. It's kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah just, so I went, uh. went kind of to NS because it would be like cool and stylistic to do that. But I'm still Nerd Slayer. Of course. Of course. Uh, all right. So let's, let's get deep. Describe your childhood. Uh, my childhood is honestly, it's probably not very strange to people who grew up on the border uh, of Mexico and Texas uh, like me. Mm-hmm. But for, 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 of course, that's, that's what we're doing here. We're talking about the story. Um, so I, I'm actually Hispanic, um, despite the way I look, despite mm-hmm. how white I look. And so I grew up a lot of the time, you know, spent in my childhood was in Laredo, which is right on the border of Mexico. You know, Nuevo Laredo, Laredo is right there. You, I mean, back in the day, you could basically cross between the border and there was really no like process you had to go through. So you could just go to Mexico, come back to Texas, like nothing. And, um, being on a border town, it was kind of like Mexico anyway, even though I wasn't in Mexico most of the time. We did go, but it wasn't most of the time. So 
that that time was spent my dad's side is uh mexican and so they're very like I mean, my family's Moreno, so like they're like legit, like dark Hispanics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those who don't know, Moreno literally translates to dark, like the dark-skinned one. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't get that part of the of the blood, but um, <laughs> it, it was it was weird because I grew up really fair-skinned, and I even had blonde hair as a kid, and so it was like I people were kind of taken aback by me, just like my dad. My dad went through the same thing whenever he was young, where he had blonde hair, blue eyes, and so. It, you get a lot of like, you know, uh, I would say flack because you're not dark enough or because you don't seem like you're Hispanic. So people think you're white and they're just like, oh, gringo, gringo, you know, like <laughs> white boy, white boy. Yep. Um, and then coming to, you know, Houston, obviously, which is where I grew up primarily um, besides Laredo. It was like um, my my neighborhood. I mean, I might have been one of the... 10 or 15 like white looking people you know like it, it was like that hispanic my area was very much uh a, a hispanic area growing up it was esl so like um that was always weird for me because whenever i was growing up i didn't really want to seem like i was so smart if that makes sense because like i was smart yeah. but like i i knew that people couldn't really understand me so like it, i always was trying to make sure i was like keeping it cool. So I think that attracted me to doing things like sports and stuff like that. But naturally I was wanting to read and play games. And, when you and said that, nerdy stuff. when you said that they didn't really understand you, what do you mean by that? So, um, when I was, you know, I guess you would say in elementary school, I was, you know, a gifted kid, I guess you would say like they were trying to put me into gifted and talented and put me in some different separate school over here. And mm, okay. I, I didn't want to do any of that. So like I, what I what I did and made sure to do was pretty much always be uh, misbehaved. So I noticed that like when even if you, they turned in your portfolio and you had all good scores, if you had like a U on your report card, which means that you were just unruly, right? Like they they wouldn't let you get into a a, a nice uh, gifted and talented program, or they wouldn't let you go to a place like Cornerstone or something, which is like a, a private academy. Or, you know, they wouldn't let you into those places. So like yeah, for me it was like just making sure I was staying where I was by just being, you know, loud and um, raising a muck, I guess, in school. Mm-hmm. I was that kid. <laughs> oh, you were that kid. Yeah, I was, the, I was the kid trying to make everyone laugh in class, like wasting everyone's time <laughs> in hindsight. So when did you realize you, you were wasting everybody's time? It, it was probably, uh, honestly, it was probably like seventh, eighth grade um, where... I, I, it's, it sounds like, uh, arrogant to say, but it's like, sometimes you don't realize that you're that different. If that makes sense. You just think you're like everyone else. So you spend so much time thinking I'm like everyone else. I'm like everyone else. And then seventh, eighth grade came around and kids were like, dude, like you're just waking up, taking a test and you're doing well. Like, that's not fair. Like, you know, kids were literally telling me that. And so I'm like, why it like, you know, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I doing that? Like, and then I started to kind of realize, okay, well, because at home, you know, like my, my parents divorced when I was in middle school. So like for that point, you know, like my parents weren't really, I guess on the best of terms. And so it was just like, you know, being like a young kid trying to like get attention basically because your, your home life ain't so great. Mm -hmm. And my my mother, um, she, as far as I can remember, pretty much she's been, or she was uh, an alcoholic. And so like, it, it was like, my dad was always working. My mom was always, you know, glued to alcohol, glued to whatever she could, you know, abuse substance at the time. And uh, 
I, I was alone a lot of the time. So it was just reading, reading, reading. That's all I did was read, 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 read. That's how I got smart. I don't think I'm super special or anything. It was just, I read a lot and I was always on the computer and I was always looking things up and I was always keeping myself busy. And I didn't realize that as a kid, you know, mm -hmm. I think I'm just living. But in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I was keeping myself busy because I didn't like this. I wanted attention because I wasn't getting attention at home. And the main reason I wasn't getting attention at home was kind of like, the issues I mentioned, of course, but also like my brother and my sister were more like, I guess you would say problematic children at home. So like they had to have, my parents were focused on them a lot of the time. Whereas mm -hmm. me, I was a kid that was getting A's on my report card. They're like, you're good. You're, you're good. fine. Yeah, exactly. Like mm -hmm. they ignored me because I essentially was doing okay. But in reality, I wasn't really doing okay. I was just, you know, um, I was doing well academically, but I wasn't doing well socially or doing well by, um, you know, the teacher, <laughs> but they didn't care about that part. So, uh, you mentioned you have a brother and a sister. Are you the youngest or where are you? Middle child. The yeah. middle child. Okay. Yeah. It's usually the person who gets the most like, uh, ignored <laughs> it's like yeah. the child who's like in between, you know, like yeah. somewhere. Cause when you're first, it's like you get all this attention. When you're last, you still get all the attention because they focus on you. When you're kind of in between, it's like you're caught in between having yeah. two kids. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And mm -hmm. uh, it, I, I definitely could feel that. Even back then, I could feel like, oh, but in hindsight, it's like it's not bad necessarily, but it did affect me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned your dad was Hispanic. What about your mom? My mom was white. So my mom, actually, my brother's... Uh, he took some type of uh, DNA, you know, ancestry test or whatever, and they, they said that his blood was mostly uh, British, Irish, and then uh, German. So, like, that family is, you know, very European. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, very, very white, very fair-skinned. And they're also the tall ones. So <laughs> my, my, it was always funny because I've been taller than my dad since I was, like, man, I can't... Fifth grade, sixth grade, you know, like, it's... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cause I was six feet in sixth grade already. So like I, I grew fast and like, so I'm always, I was already at that point, like four inches taller than my dad. And, and they wouldn't believe him when he would say, these are my kids. Like, <laughs> like my brother is the same, was the same height as me. So my dad yeah. would walk around and be like, these are my kids, you know, proudly. And they'd be like, those are your kids. Mm -hmm. And my dad was very proud as well. So he'd be like, yeah, those are my kids, you know? And, and it was just always jarring because even now we're like, you know, much larger than him. So it still mm -hmm. catches people kind of off guard. But yeah, no, that came from my mom's side of the family. <laughs> nice. Uh, you mentioned something about your parents being divorced. So how'd you take that? I would say, honestly, it was, it would have been better off if they just divorced earlier on. I think they were one of those like uh, relationships who tried to like stay together and like, I guess, make sure or pretend it's all right or i don't know whatever you want to call that like mm -hmm. try and keep it going right but you know even as a kid looking back it was like it wasn't really gonna work you know because like my mother needed a lot of like psychological help and i don't think people were really aware of that like especially back then you know it wasn't like mental health is a lot more focused on these days because mm -hmm. people think about it a lot but like back then you know she had a uh, borderline personality disorder so like she was diagnosed as like somebody basically who can be a little bit bipolar that's kind of what borderline personality is it's a mixture of being bipolar and a mixture of like extreme down or extreme lows polarized by extreme highs so it's similar but it's slightly different it's it takes place more in women but anyway um we didn't know this shit obviously at the time mm -hmm. they know this much later on but uh 
yeah, so she she had to deal with that a lot. And then, of course, my dad was, you know, he's from a border town. So, like, he didn't have a lot of money. He didn't have any other resources other than just working hard. So he would have two, three jobs, that kind of thing. And it was just very typical border story, really, I think, for a lot of kids um, who uh, had parents who just had to work a lot of the time. And then a, maybe a mother who wasn't necessarily around. So what did you learn from all this? I would I would say um, the biggest stuff I learned from all of that had been uh, just to be self-reliant a lot of the time, I would say. Um, I think it's probably why I'm a lot less interested in like joining an outlet or joining like a media company or some or even t doing like sponsored videos even. It's like I feel like I've been independent since I was really young. So like, you know, I, I credit my brother for taking care of me more mm -hmm. when I was young than I do like my mother. And so like my brother was always there taking care of me, taking care of me. And so whenever uh, my parents divorced and my brother was with my dad, I just carried that same thing on. Like whatever my brother did, whatever he taught me, I was kind of the same way. And now my brother, he works a, a job that's kind of in parallel of mine, which is like he works for a manufacturer. He sells uh, material and construction and does really well. And, you know, being a salesman for a manufacturer is one of the better things you can do in construction because it's, you're not just selling to individual people, you're selling to everybody, basically. So he worked his way up to that, which is what I would say is corporate, you know, to some extent, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm the guy who's kind of just like, off of my own. So like, we're we can relate in ways, but we're very different in other ways. <laughs> mm -hmm. When you were explaining your mother about everything that she was going through, you mentioned that she was an alcoholic. What do you mean by was? She passed away, uh, I think, six or seven years ago. From what? Just, uh, Basically, her liver gave out on her. Like, and you know, for those you know listening, it's a pretty brutal death. Whenever you just abuse it, past the point of where your liver can't keep up anymore, mm -hmm. because uh, what happens towards the end is it's. They, I think they call it cirrhosis. Um, but it, what what happens is you start getting basically cancerous cells in your liver because your liver can't reject the alcohol and all the you know bad toxins you've put through it, and so your liver serves a very important function where it uh, is able to take like the nutrients from your food and from the things you you drink, right? Which basically keep you alive. Mm -hmm. But if your liver starts failing, then it's basically like you could eat and drink, but you're not going to get the resources you need from it. It's kind of like the same situation as your kidneys to some extent. And so uh, like, okay. you can't really, uh, yeah, you can't get rid of the toxins and you can't really retain uh, energy or, or, or I guess like I'm butchering the science, but you can't retain like the, um, the, the important parts of the food and the water and the drinks. So like, yeah, it was, it was not a good life uh, for her in her last couple of years, but I wasn't around. So I didn't, I didn't experience that. Okay. So what did you learn from her choices and leading up to what it did? I think the, probably the biggest things it taught me was um, obviously to take care of my own mental health, uh, to just be aware of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But also it taught me that, even like a well-intentioned person can like do a lot of bad basically uh and 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 have a lot of problems so it's like you kind of you've always got to make sure um you know the decisions you're making in life and also that no matter how small it seems like if you continue to make a mistake sometimes after a certain point people don't want to help you you know so it's like you you can't exhaust like your good relationships and relationships with people because if you do, then they might not want to deal with you anymore. And, and, um, 
I, so I would say that that's those are probably some big things, but maybe another one would be um, in terms of just my addictive like personality because that runs in the family. Like when people say alcoholism runs in the family, it technically doesn't actually run in the family. Like alcoholism isn't some gene or something that passes mm -hmm. down and you just love alcohol. Like that's not how it works. It's it's more that you've got um, a lower threshold uh, for like um, I think it's oxytocin and and serotonin. So like you need more of a of a stimulant like exactly you need more of a stimulant in order to get the like excitement out of it so mm -hmm. like uh i guess the the layman's term or the way to describe it would just be like if i'm playing a game and somebody else is playing a game i have would have to play way more of the game to get the same amount of enjoyment that maybe somebody else could play just a little bit of time so it's like that's kind of just like with anything I do, it always feels like mm -hmm. I have to do a lot of it in order to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously if that's not like controlled, it can be really negative. It could be substance abuse. It could be, you know, um, who knows, like crime. It could be a lot of bad things. But for me, it was just video games, reading, and I kept it mostly, you know, like under wraps, like I controlled it mostly. Yeah. So you mentioned that you started off in the Super Nintendo. So explain how the Super Nintendo came into your life super nintendo i mean i, I think my my uncle uh nick he's been the biggest influence on my gaming I, I guess i would say because he brought the super nintendo in and was playing that a bit but then my friend also had a sega genesis um and so like i got to go to his house and play that which was like teenage mutant ninja turtles and stuff and you know those are the classic arcade games as well you can play oh, those yeah. in arcade cabinets and oh uh, yeah yeah no those are honestly those are some of the best games ever like those are four player co-op games back then those games were all co-op you know you could play them with your mm -hmm. friends and so it was like for me that was really awesome that you could play games with other people like mm -hmm. so i've always been attracted even though i started playing games by myself i always wanted to play games with other people so the super nintendo was playing games by myself but the sega genesis the playstation right which i never had but my cousin had one um that was always kind of like a thing is like i didn't really have consoles until the n64 that was my first console i owned myself and that was because my aunt got it for us because again my family was as you can probably imagine not, not very uh, wealthy we were pretty poor and uh i didn't have access to all of that stuff but my aunt you know who uh is on my dad's side who basically i would say is another mother figure in my life uh she was like well you know i'm gonna give you this n64 and i had gex and uh, majora's mask and super smash brothers and of course all like the main hits on it and oh, yeah. n64 was my first like personal system though i would mm -hmm. say what games did you mostly play on it besides i mean those are uh, i would probably say it was um smash brothers was definitely a big hit because we had a clubhouse in our area that we lived and um <clears throat> a community center if you want to call it that but um you you would play smash brothers there most of the time people wanted to play smash brothers mm -hmm. but you also had um what was another one that i liked a lot oh uh, mario kart of course that's oh, another yeah. classic that's <laughs> majora's mask um zelda ocarina of time of course those are two classics and then um and ocarina of time the funny thing was is i couldn't play it myself because i was too scared of like the zombie level you know like, there's like a level <laughs> where there's like zombies like I, I was young at the time that i didn't want to play it so one of my friends who was actually two grades above me um uh -huh. I, that was a common theme in my life is my friends were much older than me like most of the time like they weren't my same grade i had friends that were the year above or the two years above and 
he was one of those friends so he would play and i would just watch him basically <laughs> nice. because i was too afraid to play like the zombie scenes but uh mm -hmm. majora's mask i don't know why i played that instead because that game's even scarier but i did so whatever so what stood out you what stood out the most for you for like majora's mask and ocarina of time the 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 cartridge like the like the little game itself for majora's mask if you look it up it's gold mm -hmm. and so like when my uncle got it for me i think he got it from like a secondhand store i just saw this like gold you know and it had like the mask on it and it said zelda i was like okay this is cool yeah <laughs> literally that simple it was, just, it was mm -hmm. gold like i was like okay that's the coolest thing ever <laughs> another game that another cartridge is like that uh is pokemon stadium 2 where it's okay. uh, you seen that one i have actually my yeah. cousin had that yeah, yeah it's, it's the gold. it's gold one side and silver on the other side it's actually really yeah. freaking dope there's that and then there's a a couple army games that were green and i had i had one of those as well one of them was like you played with tanks or you played as a tank or yeah, something like that yeah it's called battle tanks yeah there you go yeah and I, that one was gold as well i had that one <laughs> dude oh damn flashback yeah dude definitely it's a, for like that's how we relate is that n64 is definitely catalyst for my gaming experience uh, yeah whole lot of games donkey kong 64 was my shit dude i loved it you mentioned martial arts How'd that, how'd that get involved? I think it was like my, my dad, you know, he, he truly grew up on the border. So like for him, whatever my, I experienced as a kid was much like more, it was much less than what he experienced. So like, you know, if, if people can't read between the lines, like if you're not a certain color, sometimes people don't like you. And even if you are the same race as a certain group, uh -huh. but they, even they can see you like, and this is common in Hispanic culture for those who know, like you have dark Hispanics, lighter Hispanics, and sometimes they don't like each other. So it's not as just like, oh, you're Hispanic, so everyone loves each other. It's like in Cuba, for example, you have very dark Hispanics, but then you can have fair-skinned Hispanics, and sometimes they just don't, don't like each other for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I obviously was fair-skinned, and my dad was fair-skinned, so he got whatever I had much worse. But I think it was just like he wanted to have us equipped, you know? Like he didn't want us to go through what he went through, which is like, no one mm -hmm. put him in martial arts. No one put him in anything like that. He just had to, like, survive, basically. And he's told me multiple times he was jumped. I mean, he couldn't even count how many times he told me. Like, he's been in so many fights growing up. He was just like, I don't want you guys to have to deal with that. So I actually want y'all to learn. That way you can defend yourself. So it was, like, pretty much no choice. Like, from day one, as young as I can remember, four or, or five, mm -hmm. we were on the mats. Um, we were doing... We started off with... Uh, taekwondo for a little bit we went back to karate up to like green belt um maybe purple belt and then we did we went back to taekwondo because we have found a local korean um instructor who had just came from korea and uh nice we went with him all the way up to brown belt uh, my brother nearly got his black belt stopped right before but um that was around like age 14 or so mm -hmm. and then sports kind of came in and sports took over instead of martial arts for at least five or six years for me but then i came back to it muay thai later on now jujitsu mostly that i do but um yeah so it, since i was young i we were driving every single weekend to go to a different tournament to a different competition so we've been c competing since i can remember and we've been sparring and fighting since I can remember. So it's <laughs> at this point, it's uh, the nerd slayer thing is very apt for me mm -hmm. because you know it's as far as I can remember, it's been one on one. <laughs> yeah. Did you like competing? No, actually, I, I didn't. And that's like 
yeah it's it that's the thing is is like when i talk about my young martial art life honestly it, it for me it was a lot of like pulling hair because i for some reason i just did not want to go and i think it was probably because like parents like when they force you to do something sometimes you almost like rebel the other way because mm-hmm. you're just like i don't want to be doing that i just want to be playing games like <laughs> yeah i don't want kids to be punching me and kicking me like i'd rather just mm-hmm. go play games and you know because there'd be times i'd when we were younger because we grew very quickly they couldn't place us against young kids anymore so like they would start putting us against older kids 16 year olds 17 year 18 grown men you know like that was happening early on when we were 13 14 already so like my brother even when he was 15 went against grown men in competition so it was like we were used to that but it was like not me saying i was used to it doesn't mean that it was necessarily fun because like i remember times being a kid where I would just get hit in the stomach and we didn't have pads uh, then. And it was just, you'd just be crying. You'd just be like, ah, that hurt. But the other person or my dad would be looking at me on the side, like, all right, you got to get back up. Like you got to keep going kind of thing. And you're just like, uh, like, yeah, this is not the most fun thing, but the form or kata, they call it, you know, where it's like, you see people going here and there, like, that's more of what I enjoyed as a kid, I think, because it was more performative. It's more like art, Mm -hmm. but the sparring part, was, I think the main reason sparring was hard for me was just like my brother was really, really good. And not just good, but he was like the best in our region. Like it, when we had regionals, my brother always won. Like wow. if if he had gone to nationals, he would have been he would have been a winner, basically. He would have won a tournament uh at the national level. And he maybe could have even qualified to go to the Olympics. Like my brother was when he was young, like he was winning gold in everything. So like uh sparring against him was always like um it was it was weird because in my head i'm thinking i'm doing so bad because i'm losing but in reality watching him compete against me and compete against other people i was actually doing good but i didn't realize that you know oh okay it's <laughs> a good self-reflection it, yeah it's it's your brother so you're like you're, i'm going with my brother but my brother's kicking my ass but then you look back and you're like well my brother was kicking everybody's ass so like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that yeah. you know i was the one that was getting the the brunt of it early on but that for my mind I couldn't make that, you know, assessment. I couldn't realize, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm actually good. So I didn't believe in myself when I was younger doing martial arts a lot of the time. And so like, I don't think it was as fun for me, but it was fun later on. And it has been fun competing now, like now Mm -hmm. that I'm older and more mature and stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask him with that five year gap, what made you come back to martial arts, Muay Thai? I think it was honestly, I've been watching UFC since I was 11. So I... I was always around it, you know, like I've been to live events. Um, we have uh, friends that my uncle works with who fought for Bellator and stuff. So like mm. uh, they basically like professional organizations, I should say for people who don't know the names, but <laughs> um, so I had been around it. And so it was almost like I didn't, again, it's almost like I didn't have a choice. Like I couldn't get away from it. It was just always there. Every time I watched a fight, I was like, man, I miss, I miss kicking, you know, I, I miss punching. I miss doing all these things that, I was good at and i just stopped doing it basically and i never really like as funny as it sounds i had fun playing sports but it was more like other people wanted me to play sports because you know uh, i'm the big kid i'm yeah I'm makes six sense. five exactly they're like hey come play sports come play sports i was more like eh, like i actually wanted to just do martial arts but just the performative aspects of it more so early on and um it was just like well i still have this like paranoid feeling you know that came from just growing up which now i know is ptsd right coming from a traumatic childhood but i was always afraid i was going to get jumped or beat up so it was like that five-year gap i still felt a lot of those feelings and i was like okay this isn't going away so Mm -hmm. like 
I think if I'm going to deal with this stuff, I have to face it head on, basically, which is like getting back into it. And so when I got back into uh, Muay Thai, that might have been like even versus like my time now spent in jujitsu, which I train six, five, six times a week. That might have been the hardest time I've ever had starting because it was like that period of time off, which wasn't nearly as bad, but it actually was the fact that I had gotten bigger weight wise. Mm -hmm. And so like, uh, it, it felt like I could move like I was a young kid, you know, but yeah. then I was like 100 pounds heavier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not even saying like 100 pounds, like I was like obese or something, but it was just like even the extra weight for me was like, okay, I need to actually approach this differently. I'm not mm-hmm. like this small kid. I can't be doing this crazy uh, moves anymore because I would do those crazy moves and I'd be getting myself hurt. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, like big guy like me, even people would tell me that like, you shouldn't be like, you're a big guy. You shouldn't be doing like that kind of move or that kind of move. And I still do some of those kind of moves, but at the same time, it was like, yeah. I need to be more careful and Muay Thai is all about conditioning your body. So it's mm-hmm. like your shins, your elbows, feet, your elbows, exactly your knees, even your knees are bruised all the time. Your elbows are bruised all the time. So it's like, that one's a very brutal hardening of your body. But I'm glad I went through the process because, you know, now my shins don't feel a whole lot, but that's a good thing for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and a bad thing for other people. Of course. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, that got me back into Muay Thai, but then. When I was doing Muay Thai, um, what kind of got me away from it actually was I was in my garage and uh, there's a meme, the in my garage meme, but this time I was really just in my garage and it was slick concrete and I just fell and I hit my head and I had never been concussed in, in, in martial arts before. I've been hit and dropped and hurt and like all those things, but like I'd never been really just concussed. And uh, that was my first time really getting concussed like that. Like I had been hit in football and had minor concussions, but never like that because I did play seven years of football. So it was a long time of football, but I never really had one where you just were out. And this one was so bad that it, it was like whiplash and I could feel my face crunching when I hit the concrete. Like it, it messed me up so bad um, that I didn't recover immediately from it. And so mm. like I, ha- I had post-concussion uh, syndrome after that. And usually that happens with people who have PTSD, by the way, is uh, their brain can't recover as fast whenever it gets a traumatic injury. So I had that <clears throat> happen to me in the middle of all of that, in the midst of all of that. So even though I was going to a gym that was rated the best gym in Texas uh, for Muay Thai, whenever I'd go in there and start sparring again, I could still feel it, you know, like mm-hmm. when people would hit me, I could feel like the jolting and, and, and it was just like, okay, yeah. So I need to do something about this. Like, cause this is, this is not good. It was getting into the, the fact that it, I couldn't even play games for prolonged periods of time because I'd be staring at the screen playing and I would just get migraines, not just headaches, but like migraines to the point to where I, I had to turn the lights off and everything was too sensitive and you could see sounds and shit. Like, you know, it would really mess with you. Like, it, like you could see lights and you feel like you could hear things. Like, it, it, it totally messes with your perception of things. And so it was like after driving home one day, I'm like migrained out of my mind. I'm barely making it home. And I'm honestly afraid I'm even going to make it home. And I was like, yeah, okay. I can't keep doing that. I need to find something to like fix this. And so like the only thing I found honestly, and it was good timing for me was, you know, legalization of CBD in Texas hemp came mm-hmm. at like a perfect time for me because without any of that stuff, I don't think I would have ever overcame my migraines, which I don't have migraines anymore. I, that's what I, I attest it to basically mm-hmm. is uh, medication. Um, mm-hmm. But besides that, yeah, no, I, I would probably say that maybe being a little bit more conscious of my health uh, helps as well. 
Um, but then I just was trying jujitsu when I came to Austin two years ago for the first time. I've never really tried it before. And um, immediately I was just like, okay, this is awesome. And this is cool because I'm not getting hit in the head all, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not getting punched and kicked all the time. So <laughs> you're tall <laughs> like, as fuck. So you have all that leverage. Yeah. And it's, it's like, why not learn this, um, which is like a safe, uh, controlled way to subdue somebody versus like, you know, Muay Thai is very just... much like, you're just going to be brutal to somebody. You know? yeah. so it's, it's like, I also didn't have much of a ground game. I, you know, for people who watch MMA, like if I was put on my back, I didn't have any experience there because in football, I was never going to get put on my back. Right. Like that was what I was resisting. I played tight end. So I was mm. never trying to be put on my back mm -hmm. at all costs. But then it was like, you start doing jujitsu, which is mostly for those who don't know, um, a ground art. It's the ground portion of, uh, uh, judo and judo is the older art. And then it became, uh, jujitsu. And now it's a smaller, they call it niwaza as the Japanese word for like the ground fighting of, of jujitsu. That's the part that, um, jujitsu focuses on is the ground fighting. So you have to get good at being on your back. And it's like, at first you're, it's very unnatural. People get on top of you and they're holding you down and you feel claustrophobic and you're, you want to breathe. And like, you're a little bit like worried because <clears throat> I don't have the ability to get away from somebody, which is what I'm used to doing when I'm on my feet. Cause I'm used mm -hmm. to bouncing around and, and being able to have like distance with my kicks or something right on the ground. It's like all that range advantage is, is much more, you know, compact. Like you got to learn how to use leverage and you got to learn how to just not use all your strength and not, you know, get yourself super tired. So once I experienced that, I realized how much I didn't know. And so I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I have to dedicate myself to this. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, what got you to do jujitsu from Muay Thai? I think it was, um, so luckily for me, a place here that teaches Muay Thai, um, AKA they, their, their main instructor, the guy who owns the gym is a black belt in jujitsu. And he's a black belt under, um, a, another, uh, black belt here, Paulo Coelho, who's my current uh, teacher who is the uh, lead instructor of a gym here in Austin, Gracie Humaita, which is based on Hoyler Gracie, you know, lineage. And he's a Hoyler Gracie black belt. So I, I had heard, you know, oh, he, so he has this tie to jujitsu. And so I was like, hmm. And I asked him about it. I was like, I asked the coach about it. I was like, so should I try? Like, what do you think? Like, should I try out jujitsu? And he's like, yeah, of course, try it out. It'll be awesome. You'll love it. And so I came over and it was actually with my girlfriend. I went with my girlfriend and we both signed up at the same time. And, um, she had been looking to get into a martial art as well. And she went even heavier into it immediately than I did. And I think it was partly because I was still cross training at the time. I was still doing Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. So like, I, I mean, at that point I have a pro fighter schedule where I'm working out two different, you know, programs every day practically. And I was so tired. It was just like, I was like, all right, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not mm -hmm. a pro, I'm not going to be a pro. So I was like, I need to make a choice right now, which one I really want to focus on. And I actually didn't have a choice. I got, I got injured. My knee got injured. And so it was like, I wasn't able to jump around as much anymore and, and kick for a while. I mean, like three months. And so it was like during that time, that's when I really got into jujitsu because I was just hurt basically. And I couldn't really stand up as effectively. And I didn't want to get hit in my knee. That was for mm -hmm. sure. I didn't want to get kicked there. So it was like, I need to do this in the meantime. And then I, during that time, I just obviously really enjoyed it and kind of fell in love with it. So you still do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, right you, now you I plan on competing. I've competed before, actually. Okay. Uh, on my Instagram, you guys can see one of my competitions. Um, but I have a competition coming up in like about a month or two. It's a round robin in March. Nice. What belt are you in jujitsu? Right, 
right now I'm a four stripe white belt. So I'm like right before I'm going to get my blue belt. How long will it take to get a black belt? In total, I think it kind of depends, but anywhere from like, I would say for most people, it's going to be about seven to 10 years. That's a long, that's, that's some commitment right there, dude. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. I say most people, because unless you're crazy like me and you can come like five times a week, um, maybe it'll be faster for you, but mm -hmm. most people are going to take seven to 10 years, long time. Cause they're maybe only going twice or three times a week, which is a lot in the, in the big scheme of things, but mm -hmm. not as much as other people who will just dedicate their life to it. Like go even more than I do. So there's people at our gym who go twice a day. So like there's always levels. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, good luck to your tournament, man. Thanks, looking forward man. to that. Make sure you post some stuff on your socials. I'll be looking forward to see the results. I'm trying to bring the tripod out, trying to get some more stuff recorded. That's the goal because I want to show my audience more of that side of me because they just kind of know the, the video game side of me, which is a big side of me for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I play my video games all the time, but it's also this other part of me that, you know, for me, keeps me healthy and keeps my mind right. Mm -hmm. Well, again, man, good luck to you in that. So you mentioned N64, you played that a lot. How'd you go from that to playing Diablo 1 on PC? So I think it was, uh, we had some kind of old, just janky computer. Um, and it was back, uh, my parents were together at this point. <clears throat> and um, we would just get those little, you know, DVDs or CDs where I would like AOL for a month or, you, you remember those? Like, oh yeah, it was like AOL for seven days or whatever. Like, so I would just keep getting those CDs and keep getting AOL or dial up internet and just making a new account each time. And so <laughs> during that time, I'm just playing whatever I could play, which the only two games I had because of my grandpa basically were um, Starcraft, which I was big into, and then Diablo, which I was big into. But I also found out that other games existed online. And so it was like after Diablo, which was just watching my grandpa play these games, watching other people play these games, I was like, okay, like I want to try these games. And so it was the curiosity. It was also the fact that Diablo looked kind of scary to me. So it was like, I've always been that person who likes to push like how, you know, scary something is to see like if I could overcome it. Right. So I was like, oh, like I, I kind of want to see what it is, but I'm pretty scared by it. For, for the longest time, I wouldn't even walk into the first uh, zone. Like, you know how you're on the front, you start in the front in the game and you're talking to this like uh, priest who's like dying or something like that. And he tells you about like Diablo, like the devil and, and you go into like the game and that's where you first start the game. I wouldn't even go in at first. Like I was just like, oh, I don't pretty scared. I don't know if I want to go in. <laughs> I was like the protagonist character who's like, I don't know about this guys, but that was definitely always um, me. But after Diablo, which I didn't play that game super heavily. The game that I played heavily on PC was definitely StarCraft. But what got me into, you know, MMOs, which are my favorite genre of video game, was actually around that same time I discovered a game. A friend told me about it. It was a social avatar game. The game was Hoppa Hotel. And um, in that game back there was pretty big, but it was like kind of like Second Life, but like much shorter and like your avatars were not nearly as realistic, um, if you will. And um, I got into that game and I must have been... I must have been like, that was 2000. So if it's 2020 now, yeah, I was like seven or eight when I played that for the first time. So that was like a long time ago. Um, but that game was just a chat site, basically. You had an avatar, you could walk around in the game, you could, you could interact and trade stuff, kind of like a regular you mm -hmm. know, MMO, but it was more so you just talk to people. It was a social game. So that's all I did, just like talk to people online, talk to people online, talk to people online. And 
that honestly was probably what I spent the most of my childhood at that time doing was just mm -hmm. talking to people online. And uh, most importantly, the server that I played on was in the UK. So um, there wasn't a US server originally in this game. So I was playing on a UK server at like seven, eight, nine, ten, 11, all throughout that whole time, talking to people from across the pond. So I've always been a bit of a weird American, I think, because of that. You know, like I, <laughs> I grew up talking to people from other countries. And so I was always, you know, wondering what's out there in the world, I mm -hmm. guess. I like that, how you said weird American. That's funny. What games do you play nowadays? These days? Uh, Guild Wars 2, I started playing that because um, I'm going to be doing a review on that since I just did a review on WoW Classic, which is coming out this weekend. Um, so Guild Wars 2 right now, and then I also would say my Switch. Um, I love playing my Switch. I, I'm still a Zelda fan. I'm still a Nintendo fan. It never went anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, I've still got Mario Odyssey, um, Breath of the Wild, Smash Brothers. You know all the all the classic Mario Kart, Mario Party, mm -hmm. all the all the great Mario games. But um, also uh, Octopath Traveler on the Switch, JRPGs on the Switch. So yeah, those are those are the games I've been playing the most right now. I'm also trying to look into getting a uh, Kakarot as well. That new, the new Dragon Ball RPG, Z, yeah, Dragon Ball Z game, which reminds me of that Gohan or the it's the first Gohan season. Game. What what's the game on the Game Boy? It was like something of Goku. The was it Son of Goku? Yeah, was it Son of Was that the I, Game yeah, Boy I, game? I think. I think it was. I mean, it makes sense though. Son of Goku. I'm pretty sure that's Gohan. the name of the game. Yeah. yeah. Someone yeah. can fact check that, but yeah, yeah my, for sure. my that was one of my favorite uh, Game Boy games because you could fly around on a little cloud and everything. I remember doing that. And so, <laughs> exactly. Yep. And so I, I was always a big Dragon Ball Z fan, which is another thing that I liked. Martial arts, by the way, was. Makes Dragon sense. Ball Z, honestly, like people take it for granted, but it's funny that it's actually right now in the UFC, there's a champion in the middleweight division, Israel Adesanya. And even he's said himself, Dragon Ball Z, Naruto, or the reasons like he got into martial arts. So it's like even a champion at the highest level has credited like anime <laughs> for yeah. getting involved. And I know a lot of people personally who tell me like, oh, anime, man. That's why like I started doing martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. It makes sense. Uh, so how'd you get into your YouTube? How'd that all start? The YouTube one was like, <clears throat> was interesting because I, I would say I probably had been making YouTube videos since I was like 13. So like a long time I made YouTube videos. And I think, again, that's one of those things where it's like people hear or think overnight success. They just see like what you've been working on in the more recent sense, but like I had many other channels. I just never really told people about them. And they were always like such small scale videos where <clears throat> it was my friends or like the community was watching it. And they were always silly kind of meme videos, or maybe I just do gameplays and some little montages. I made montages and stuff, but basically nobody watched it. No one really um, was watching it. And because I was young and I didn't have any role models telling me to keep at that, I would always quit because I was always like, oh, I'm not good enough, you know? And my computer, you know, being, again, a kid who didn't have a lot of money, my computer was like a compact presario that I just like stuck some other graphics card inside of. So like, it wasn't good enough to really run games and record. Whenever I would play games like Warhammer Online, mm -hmm. I had like 15 or 20 FPS. So like, if for people oh, who play damn. PC games, you can imagine like, I was slideshowing every time I was playing. And so like, I, that was most of my like PC career early on was just playing shit like, you know, computer like. And so when I went from that to getting a, a new computer that I bought myself, basically after working since I was like 16 to like 18, 19, 
I bought a computer myself piece by piece. Once I put that thing together, everything changed. It, it was just like, now I could actually play games, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I started getting really good at them quickly. And I think it was because now I had a computer that could run the games. And so I wasn't just like held back by my like PC or held back by my internet because I would always steal Wi-Fi from like my neighbor or something like that. Like, and that's true. I and mean, that's a true story. When I played Warhammer is I, I was, I had a hundred uh, kilobytes download. That's what my speed was. And it was because I was stealing the internet from somebody that was next door. So like, mm -hmm. But that was fast enough to play online games. So I don't know how, but it was. Like, I was actually able to play Warhammer online. And sure, I had high latency, I'm sure. But mm -hmm. I could still play the game, even with my 20 FPS. So I was really, like, slumming it for a while. But then once I got a computer, I started making videos again. And that time is when I was getting into Overwatch and getting into um, Guild Wars 2. And I built a little bit of a fan base back then, maybe like 5,000 subscribers, right? Like still not much, but it was something for me like at the time. And so I, again, being the perfectionist that I am was like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. So I kept stopping and stopping and stopping. And eventually it got to the point to where, you know, about two and a half years ago, um, I was talking to my girlfriend actually, and she just told me, she's like, well, you know, it, why don't you make videos for yourself? Like just make a video you would like, right? And I was like, huh, like, obviously in my head, I'm like, that seems like not realistic, right? Like, of course I'm going <laughs> to, but, but, but then at first um, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe. And then she, I was playing Star Wars Galaxies on an emulator, actually on a private server. And it's one of my favorite MMOs ever. And so when I was playing it, she was just watching me like talk about it and how passionate I was. And she was like, why did this game fail? And she, and when, it was just like that simple question that that's how I created the series. Basically, she asked me, how did Star Wars Galaxies fail? Like, why did this game, like, not, you know, be this, and then all of a sudden it's this? And I was like, mm -hmm. well, and I told her, I was like, that's actually a really good question. I don't, I don't know. And so I had to go back retroactively, figure all that, you know, figure that all out. And it was like being a detect, uh, detective. I had the clues. I was putting them up on the wall. You know, I was like rubber band to here, like yarn to here. Like I was oh, trying to damn. connect okay. everything to see. Yeah, like I was really trying to figure out, was it what people said the reason was, right? Or was it, were there other things? Was it some secret thing? And going through that whole process, which took me like two months on the first video, I edited that one myself, did the voiceover myself. And um, it, it was just like so poorly done in terms of like its quality production. Like if someone goes back and watch, uh, watches my old videos, they're really poorly like produced. Like you can hear and, and, and like the, vo the, the mic, you know, like all the background sounds. Like it's just, for me, it was like pretty bad. but. Um, that video within a month blew up to 100k views and so it was like after that video right out the gate pretty much i was faced with crap now people want more of these and like i don't know if i can keep making these because two months and some change to make one of these is that really a career like it isn't a career 100k views on one video isn't a career yet so mm -hmm. i was working my construction job project management cost estimation mixed together and at the same time, basically. And so I would do that and then I would come home and then I would just work on my video, work on my video, work on my videos. And so I was basically working two jobs for a while and it was good, like, because it helped me get started on YouTube without being so critical because if I would have just like not had a job and then try to be a YouTuber, honestly, I think that's really difficult to do because like you gotta pay for your food, you gotta, gotta pay for your rent. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like, unless someone can pay for you, like I didn't have that luxury. So like I had to pay it all myself. So. 
that is a big reason why a lot of people don't get started in their 20s is because the cost it's they're, it's too expensive for them to live so it's hard for them to take time away of their from their work to go work on their passion their hobby and so for me it was just like i'm gonna get it in no matter how like no matter how hard it is even if it's late at night it's 3 a.m right like i'm gonna find a way to like fit it in and so after that initial galaxies video then it was just like video another video another video and it was just from there on i could tell i was like okay i have something here like people aren't used to this and mm -hmm. also i realized um for the longest time i saw myself as a pretty big failure because i spent you know now it's been like 19 years playing mmos i spent all that time playing these games but i never did anything with it so from mm -hmm. in my head it had to start to become or it had start to become like a negative thing like it was like um I'm a loser, you know, like I spent all that time doing this shit for nothing. Like, that's what I was thinking in my head. But then after making those videos and people saying, hey, I want to hear your opinion about this game. Like you, the way you put this made a lot of sense. Like, can you explain this, this and that? And then I was like, huh, people actually want to listen to me, like talk about this stuff. Like in my head, I was like, I thought people just ignored this kind of stuff. Like nobody mm -hmm. wanted to listen to this, especially even back then. I was like, definitely nobody wanted to listen to it whenever I was playing those games. Um, but obviously people did want to listen to it and they kept telling me to make more and more. And so after a while, I was like, okay, well, I'm glad I didn't waste 19 years of my life playing these games. I can actually find a way to leverage it and to create a career. So that's how I got started. Basically. I did uh six pick was it six pixels under mm -hmm. how'd that start? Um, I started my podcast primarily because I wanted to make some sort of initiative to get onto Twitch. And I think it was because like, it was easy for me to just like make a podcast on YouTube, I think, uh, because that was my audience. But I've always been attracted to Twitch as a platform. It to me, it's a lot more like personal, like you can talk to people, you can um, talk to your people who follow you like your uh, you chat with people, there's a lot more interactivity. Mm -hmm. There's also like, um, the whole subculture emotes and all that. Like, I like all of that stuff, because I grew up on the internet as well. So it's like, the whole memes and stuff like that is very at home with me. So it's like, I like that, but I also like the fact that Google is one super conglomerate, Amazon's another. At least I'm in the pocket of two of them instead of just one of them. Like if I was just in Google's pocket, then it'd be like, what if they just terminated my channel? Then my complete career would be over. So it was like, yeah, it makes sense. I, yeah, I wanted to slowly start branching into Twitch. And um, yesterday, for example, I was streaming Guild Wars 2, which I don't normally stream games because for me, it's pretty exhausting to stream games. Like, play the game to be trying to explain the game and then also people are talking to you at the same time and you're trying to talk to them at the same time it's like it's easy for people to think and again this is coming from someone who works out five six times a week so like i'm very physically active this is harder for me like streaming is harder for me than working out it like but maybe that's, that's because i'm a lot more used to it but it's just like it takes a lot of mental energy from me whenever i stream and so like yesterday um, i got a host from one of the top guild wars 2 streamers so I had 150 people watching me my first day streaming Guild Wars 2 and like, who knows how long. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, like, and, and I was actually about to go to class too. So like, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to have to like bang out four or five hours right now and then go straight to jujitsu, which is what I did. I got off the stream and I went right to jujitsu and it's like, it, it, it's definitely like, um, challenging, uh, to stream, but six pixels under the podcast for me was just it was the way to get myself streaming and streaming regularly because um, I wanted the opportunity to talk to people about my other videos, right? To talk about maybe things I missed in my videos, things that I wanted to highlight that I 
I messed up on maybe, um, and just talk more personally with my audience. And so that's kind of what it's been for me so far. But we also just recently changed the format of the podcast. So it's a lot more condensed and it's also a lot more interactive with the chat. So if you've noticed any of the recent episodes, I bring people on <clears throat> and even people who are viewers, they have a question or they want to talk about a certain topic. And it's a lot more like a round table uh, a lot of the time now, like we have other people come on, we talk about like, what do you think of this game? What do you think of this game? What do you think of this idea versus like just me? Mm -hmm. And um, that, that, you know, so that's where I'm going right now with it. But yeah, that's how it started. So what's your uh, future plans for your brand? I want to make a production studio. So that's my number one thing is um, I want to turn my channel into a production studio because I want to turn it into an outlet, my own outlet. And um, since I already have another content creator right now working in silent and in, in secret, I should say, um, he's working on another series that I kind of came up with, but I handed it off to him. And um, he's a bright guy. He knows how to write. And he's also got a good voice for it, <clears throat> a better voice than I do for that kind of video, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a lot more that that new series. I've talked about it a little bit before, but it's a series about video game terminology. There's shorter videos, 10 minutes and less. And basically the purpose of the video is you take a term and you explain it, you know, how it came to be, like who coined the term, how it's used, how it's used currently, and then maybe what the term could mean going forward. So it could be anything like FPS. It could be something like um, <clears throat> game engine, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that term. It could, you know, it, it could be broad. It could be very specific. So it's a lot more flexible than my series. Death of a Game is just about multiplayer games because it's kind of hard for a single player game to die. Um, as, you know, there's, you can play it whenever you want. Like right now I can hop on Majora's Mask and play by myself. Like the game's not dead, right? No one's playing online. Like it doesn't have that online component. But an online multiplayer game, the servers can actually be brought down, right? Like a game can be like, killed essentially mm -hmm. so it's a little bit different but uh this series is kind of a bit more of a bridge to the to the more uh general audience i would say versus my series is a lot more niche so it's we have rough draft for it already um term travel is the name of the series and uh we have the rough draft we have all the art done um the music the new intros done already it's just been a slow process because I've been paying the artist before we put it out, of course, because I pay my artists and I own my music and my art. Um, but also, it's just been a process to how do you introduce a new content creator? You know, like that's still going to be how are people going to react? Are they going to be like, how come this isn't you? You know, and things mm -hmm. like that. But I think ultimately, if we do it right, people will be okay with it because the concept is me making a production studio means that every new content creator I bring on is a new detective, basically. Like that's like the uh the the lore of the channel, right? Mm -hmm. Is every new content creator is their own kind of detective. And so like I'm a very particular kind of detective. My character is NS. I'm Nerd Slayer. It's kind of like a bit of a pun. So my character who you see with the Fedora and the um the suit and the person who's in my intro, like that's NS. I'm personally Nerd Slayer, uh just because it's weird when people call me an S versus it's weird when you call the detective nerd slayer, right? But it makes mm -hmm. sense the other way around. Um, and the other detective, his name's not public yet, but he's more like Doctor Who. You know, like if you want to compare him to my character, he's more kind of zany, uses a lot of technology, time travels, you know, like, so it's like I'm going with almost like comic book characters, uh, a new character create, or sorry, a new character is created each time I bring a new content creator on. So that's what I'm going for very um comic book-esque 
Um, but definitely going to be like that character is not going to seem noir. It's not going to be black and white. That character is going to be very colorful and very like bombastic. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, my character is black and white. <laughs> Makes sense, man. Looking forward to that. That's, that. That sounds pretty interesting. Hell yeah. Well, that's the character creation. So thanks for sharing all that. It's a pretty interesting mm-hmm. story you got there, man. It's awesome. So the next part we're going to get into is attributes. So I'm going to name off some characteristic traits and you rate yourself from one to five. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Grit. Um, definitely a five. I've been through a lot. I normally ask why, but I think you... Is there anything in particular you didn't mention when you mean you went through a lot? No, I mean, I think a lifelong martial... Anyone who's done lifelong martial arts where you've competed, I think you're pretty tough, like, on, on average. Because like, it's one thing to do martial arts for, like, a year or two or whatever else and, <clears throat> and even do it for a number of years, but you never actually spar. You never actually, like, simulate a fight or you never actually get into a fight. It's a little bit different. But once you actually compete, you kind of learn that if you're not tough, you're basically going to quit. Like the first thing you're going to think whenever you're tired and you're in the moment, and I've been there before, I've thought about quitting. Everyone thinks about quitting. Um, Just because I don't think about it doesn't mean, or just because I didn't quit didn't mean I didn't think about it. Like Mm -hmm. I've had a match before, even one last year, where I was so spent at the very end that I thought to myself like, man right now honestly if i just let him like kind of take my back like honestly like I, this would be over like pretty you know I'm, I'm tired like but then it's like those those thoughts you know where for me grit comes in is you're like you know what like no nah, i'm just gonna try anyway like I, come on i'm not done yet like i've got a little bit left in me and then it's mm-hmm. like next thing you know you're surprised because you you know surprise yourself sometimes how much you think you're capable of you can go into like that little next gear i guess i would say yeah, there's a good quote out there that says, people don't know how strong they are until they have to be strong. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Curiosity. Man, uh, curiosity might be my favorite attribute, <clears throat> but I don't know if it's my best necessarily. Like, I think at one point it might have been, like when I was a kid, it probably was a five plus, 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 but like, these days, I'd say it's probably a lot more like humble. It's probably like on 3.5 or something like that, just because my interests have shrunk a lot, but not because I'm not interested in learning, but because I'm trying to specialize more. So it's like that naturally happens. Like you look at a scientist and there's no scientist who's a scientist in 17 different fields, right? Like mm-hmm. they're just a scientist in their field. So like I see it as like martial arts and gaming are kind of my fields. So those are the things that I'm the most interested in. And those are the things that I spend all my energy learning about. I don't learn as many other new things as much. <clears throat> so I would probably say my scores dropped since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Social intelligence. Social intelligence. That's definitely high for me. I mean, MMOs are my favorite game, so I, I have to give myself a five. <laughs> but why though? Why do why you feel like MMO is an influence of your social intelligence? I think, well, especially old school MMOs. Like, if you... If you're going to get by in those kind of games, you have to be social. Like, there's no way you can play by yourself. Like, you, you can try to play by yourself, but you won't really get by. And so, like, I was playing MMOs when I was a kid, a child. So, like, a lot of the adults I was playing with thought I was an adult as well, or they thought I was 18. So I would join a guild when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, get in voice comms, and my balls were already dropped. So people thought I was a grown man. <laughs> so I'd be talking to people and I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm still some dumb little kid, right? Yeah. In reality, I'm a dumb kid, but I'd never talked that much. Mm-hmm. So I, that way I wouldn't have to, you know, but I talk a lot in game, 
but in voice, I just say a couple of things, you know, so I could kind of not blow my cover. But I remember I was in one particular guild and it was a role play guild. You had to have an application to join. We were role playing stormtroopers. Yeah, no, it was serious. Like they made you apply like the guy, uh, long story short, but the guy worked at NASA, NASA and it was kind of a secret, but he was in Houston and he worked at NASA. So he was a smart guy, um, but he kind of kept that under wraps anyway. He, uh, so he was really smart and he was smart enough to see through my bullshit. So some, one time I'm talking to him, he's like, so tell me, how old are you really? And I was like, uh, uh and at the time I was 13. I'm like, I'm 18. He's like, come on. I, I know you're not 18. You don't have to lie anymore. You're already in the, in the guild. And I was like, uh, I'm 13. <laughs> he's like, I knew it. <laughs> so going back then, it was like, I, I mean, yeah, that guy was smart and he caught me, but a lot of the time people didn't know I was just a little kid. And I think it was because in order to get by in those games, you had to be kind of mature. Um, otherwise, people would just kind of ignore you, right? They wouldn't want to work with you. They wouldn't want to play with you. And since you need to play with other players, it just made me have to be socially intelligent to be like, all right, well, I can't say like little kid shit right now. So let me try and be more mature and, <laughs> it makes sense, and not uh, out myself. Yeah. Gratitude. I, if I, I'm going to assume it's like also applying it to somebody else or something like that. Um, but maybe even for myself, I would, I'd rate myself probably pretty low, like a three, like maybe a two something, a two and a half or a three. Why? I think primarily um, I don't really take a lot of time to give myself pats on the back. And I don't think I take compliments the best, you know, because like the way I explain it is, my ego, I had to build up my ego because I didn't have anybody else helping me with my ego when I was young. You know, like I didn't have a lot of people saying, oh, you can do this, you can do this. Mm -hmm. So I had to build up this chip on my shoulder. And they say like sometimes when you build up a chip on your shoulder since you were a kid, it kind of never really goes away. And I still feel like that sometimes where I'm like, somebody will compliment me and I'm kind of just like, yeah, but I kind of already knew that. And it sounds arrogant, but it's like someone's like, oh, you did a good job. And it's like, yeah, I know because I've been trying my best. So like, I know I did a good job because I'm trying to do my best. So it's like, I feel like sometimes I'm not that great at taking a compliment. I'm not good at being grateful for certain things because sometimes it doesn't matter what you think when somebody compliments you, right? It's more like they're trying to let you know, hey, what I think of you. So it's like, I can say, oh, that's cool, but it doesn't matter because that person just wants to let me know how they feel or how they think. So it's like, I, that's something that I would say I'm actively getting better at. Loyalty. Man, I, I, I'd have to be maxed out there. I'm loyal to a fault. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of friends. Like, I don't have a lot of close friends. I have maybe, I can count them on my hands, right? Like, maybe five or six close friends. <clears throat> and that's not something that you really should brag about, per se. I mean, maybe if you, if you want a lot of friends, get a lot of friends. If you don't want a lot of friends, it, it's up to you personally. But I would say for me, loyalty has become kind of like a, a bit of a crutch. Because when you're, when you're afraid of putting yourself out there or or you don't trust people that much, you're a lot more loyal to the people you do trust. So mm -hmm. I'd say because I don't have that much trust to people, I'm very, very loyal because the people that I do trust, I trust like pretty much with everything. So um, basically like loyalty is cool to talk about um, and, and can be a positive thing. But in my case, I think it's more of like a consequence of a negative thing that is kind of positive, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Confidence. Hmm. Confidence is a, is a hard one because like, I feel like that is always up and down. Like it depends on what time I'm making my video. Like if it's the start of my video, 
I'm like five, right? I'm like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I'm gonna. I know, like, but then it's like midway through, I'm like a three, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, like, I need to work on this. I need to work on this. When it's the end of my video, I, I I'm like honestly a one, almost like a negative one sometimes. Like I become my worst critic, and but almost in the sense of where it's like, I'm getting myself prepared for whatever possible negative, you know stuff that could come from my video coming out so it's like I, i'm railing on myself first i'm like oh well this sucks like i don't like this and i've become like really harsh on myself but i think it's like i've been talking to other like people who do uh youtube videos or other artists and they usually say it's like <clears throat> right before you're about to launch your kind of like art or your project, you're really critical because you just you've used so much energy so you kind of don't have as much energy for it anymore and your emotional um I guess like conditioning and your mental conditioning and all of that was at a different place when you started. Mm -hmm. And now you're more like worn down, you're tired, you're kind of, and so a lot of the time for me, by the end of a video cycle, like right before I'm about to put it out, like my classic, uh, wow, uh, review hasn't come out yet, but it's coming out soon. I'm pretty insecure about that right now. Like personally, like <laughs> if I can admit, like right now I'm feeling like, Oh man, it's my first MMO review. And it's like one that people are going to give me a lot of shit on. I know. it, And so it's like, you, you feel like that kind of like anticipation sometimes anxiety and, and whatever else. So it really depends on a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but to, to draw it into like martial arts, I would say it's like, um, depends on what period of the cycle, uh, the cycle I'm going through. So like if I have a tournament coming up, the very beginning of that phase will be very kind of humble, very like, I don't feel so confident in myself because I'm trying new things and, and I'm trying to learn. But near the end, when it's about to be competition time, there's a saying, uh, Ben Askren, a multiple-time uh, world champ and also wrestling champ in MMA and wrestling, says, when you're learning, you don't know anything. But when you're about to compete, you know everything. So like, m that's my confidence when I do martial arts. It's like when I'm in the gym and I'm learning, it's like I look at it like I'm a white belt but like white belt mind, white belt everything. Like I'm thinking like, I don't know anything and I'm going to try and learn everything I can. But when I'm about to compete or I'm going against somebody and it's a competitive uh, environment, I'm thinking in my head, it switches. And it's like, I know everything. <laughs> it becomes like five level. So it's like a knob. If it starts at like one or two uh, confidence, it like turns to five, but just for that short amount of time, the 10 minutes, the 15 minutes. So yeah, it's, I know it's not a simple answer, but that's my answer. Still a good answer, though, man. Spir Thanks. Spirituality. Spirituality, man. I would, I would have to say, if I'm being honest with myself, like a 2.5, maybe. And that only has came more recently. I'd say it's been increasing, like 0 0.5, 0 0.5, 0 0.5. <clears throat> That's because as I've um, had experience um, being with a partner, uh, my girlfriend specifically, I should say, who is spiritual, it's mm -hmm. been kind of like a, an eye-opening and kind of like a learning experience because before, you know, like I tell people where I'm from, like spirituality was kind of just like work hard, keep going. Like there wasn't like, there wasn't something that you called to, you weren't necessarily thinking about like some tradition or going to a church or any of that. Like I wasn't thinking about any of that kind of stuff. But um, since meeting my, my girlfriend, it's been more about like, uh, for example, Eastern philosophy. I've been thinking a lot more and exploring a lot of Eastern philosophy, uh, a lot of um, Buddhism, a lot of Zen Buddhism and meditation with yoga and meditation just in general for me, for health, uh, self uh, realization. Also like um, they call it 
introspection and then there's also um visualizing is probably my number one form of like meditating if you will if you want to call it that mm -hmm. because when i can tell people what my plans are of the future it's usually because i've seen it a couple of times you know so it's like it's easy for me to say it it seems like it's so sure to me but it's only because i've been seeing it over and over again so i'm like okay i visualized it now so it seems realistic so then i can tell people with confidence okay this is what i want to do but before i mean it was like i didn't really have like meditation to fall back on I didn't, and all of that had to change after I got my concussion. It was like, I had to take a step back, kind of slow down my life, you know, because before I was 1700 tabs open on my computer, doing everything at the same time like this. And like, my brain was never taking a break. Yeah. And I never noticed that before because you're young and you know, you're also just like hungry. But then once you had to actually take a step back because of your health, you start realizing, oh, like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't stay up for like my record playing an MMO in a straight was 34 hours straight. Like, I, I mean, like that's the kind of shit I was doing before. And it was like, looking back, I was like, yeah, I, I would never do that. Even if you paid me, I wouldn't do that. Like it, it just, it got to the point to where when you stay up that late, you start seeing stuff and that's real. That's actually like a clinical thing. You will mm -hmm. see stuff as, as you stay up too long. Um, because as a human, we're supposed to go to sleep. We're supposed to get sleep. We're supposed to rest. And, um, yeah so spirituality i would say taught me to like take a breath you know like all right i'm good like okay let me slow it down like what is the problem here you know let me think about this slowly let me maybe take a take a rest take a nap wake up see if i still think and feel the same way you know like thinking more about why i feel a certain way like why am i sad right now why am i mad right now and not just being like oh i'm not those things i'm not those things and trying to just dampen them trying to be more open to them so yeah that's it's uh it's it's low for me but i think that's because i'm both critical and i know i'm getting better at it actively so it feels like it's pretty pretty bad it's like 2.5 or something but it is gradually increasing though i think so yeah say. i would say so yeah it's good to hear that man self-awareness Man, that that's another one of those things where it's like, I can say I have a five of it, but is it really a good thing? You know, like when people tell you they're super self-aware, I, I can make the argument that's a bad thing. Like, again, me being super self-aware is being a perfectionist. It's, no, it's saying I'm never good enough, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, it's, it's always saying that what I think people who are overly self-aware suffer from, and I'm speaking as somebody I think is overly self-aware, is you can't look at yourself in totality. And I mean, like in the grand scheme of things, you can't look at yourself. You just look at yourself isolated with all of your like, you know, like standards and everything. And you just can cut yourself down so easily. Mm -hmm. And like, as I can do that in my videos, I can do that to myself, like really easily. I can cut myself down and be like, I suck at this, like boom, boom, boom. And really, uh, you know, nail into myself. But what I was missing for a long time was just like the perspective of like, well, I can be super critical of myself, super self-aware of myself, but like, I also have to acknowledge that my version of aware is different than somebody else's. And it's also my perspective is different than somebody else's perspective. So like, where I'm like aware of myself and what I'm doing and what my faults are, um, somebody else could look at me and be like, well, you're actually not completely aware of yourself because maybe you'd be aware that you're too aware of yourself, right? And that's what I'm talking about now. It's like, I am, I think, too aware of myself because who is really thinking about all the bad things they do all the time? Like, 
it, people who want to like be healthy aren't really thinking about that, right? People mm-hmm. who believe in themselves aren't really always like hitting themselves and beating themselves down. So I think that comes more from honestly like insecurity and also like a lack of confidence is being overly self-aware and not being able to say like, for example, the difference between saying I'm not successful and uh, I'm not su- successful in this context, right? Because like, have you ever looked at those statistics where you can type in your amount of money you make a year and it'll tell you like globally where you where you rank yourself? Mm. It's shocking to Americans. Like whenever we put our stuff in there, we're like, what? We're actually like pretty high up there. Like even if you don't make that much money, 30,000, 40,000, like you'll be surprised that you make actually a lot of money compared to a lot of people in the world. And so when you see stuff like that, it forces you to get perspective and be like, I can feel like I'm not successful and I'm so self-aware that I'm not successful, but I can also look at someone else who's maybe in a third world country and be like, I didn't have it that bad. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I oh, knew yeah. how to read, right? Like, so I, I obviously had it much better. At least I had a parent, right? Like mm-hmm. there's, you can give yourself a lot of bail uh, once you realize like being self-aware in an isolated sense is kind of like a curse. So yeah, I've, Maybe that's coming down now that I'm being less critical of myself. Patience. That's, I mean, that's one of my worst. I mean, 1.5, too. <laughs> <laughs> Why, though? I'm, I'm not really uh, patient, I think, largely because I'm used to just getting things very quickly. Yeah. And I'm also used to my brain always going 100 million miles per hour. So it's like, sometimes I have to, like, literally force myself to be like, all right. All right slow down like it's not coming yet whatever you're waiting on is not coming yet don't think about the fact that it's not coming yet because it's not going to help it come any faster right like like if you're just thinking like oh i just i can't wait for this thing to happen i can't wait for this thing to happen that's not going to make it come faster if in my experience it's like you you dread it even more because then you're thinking about it all the time it's kind Mm -hmm. of like to use competition as an example i don't think about competition until the day before like the night before and the day of so like i just ignore it until it's like I'm suiting up basically. And then I'm like, all right, now I'm thinking about it. And I think that's because I don't want my life to be consumed by thinking about it all the time. So in in that sense, it it makes sense. But being impatient can be negative when, for example, when you talk to people and sometimes you're just thinking of like basically what they're going to say already. And maybe you're even really good at it. Like I'm pretty good at predicting things. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm talking to somebody and I'm like, okay, they're probably going to say something like this, but it's like, is that really what you're supposed to be doing in a conversation? It's just like, expecting what somebody's going to say versus like listening to what somebody's going to say so forcing yourself to listen makes you more patient and like i've noticed that myself like when you tell yourself all right let me just not say anything and then just listen first and then you're kind of like ah this is what i'm missing out on like because (laughs) when you start by talking and going then sometimes you don't you miss out on a lot of things and there's a good quote from mad men it's um Uh, if you don't like what's being said, like change the conversation. That's one of them. And then there's the other one was, um, dang, no, I'm not, now I'm going to forget it. it. It's, oh, people tell you who they are in the first couple of seconds of meeting them. You just don't listen. And that's true. It's like a lot of the time people will tell you who they are when you meet them, but they will tell you who they are and you'll just ignore it. And I was having that problem due to my lack of patience, I think. It's like, cause when you lack patience, you're a poor listener. And so sometimes I would meet people and I would look back, like, and even like my, you know, looking back at like ex relationships and stuff, like with girlfriends and stuff, you're like, wait, were they, 
did they catch me off guard or were they always this way? And you look back and you're like, this friend or this person, they were always that way. I just ignored it. You know, like you mm-hmm. ignore the signs, the red flags, if you will, because you're, you're just not patient. And so you're just talking to somebody, talking to somebody, you think you're really connecting in reality. Like you actually didn't even agree on that thing you just talked about, but, mm-hmm. you, but you know what I mean? But you talked past each other. So you didn't even realize that you didn't agree. Like, so yeah, I'm, I'm poor at that, but um, I'm getting better. So what number? Man, I'll, I'll give myself uh, a two. <laughs> that's that's after I improved. <laughs> Forgiveness. I'm I'm lo- I'm low on that as well. Like I mean, maybe like a um, because I've had to go through some of it. I would say I've got maybe like a two point five on forgiveness. I took shit like personally a lot when I was a kid. Like even my own personal faults, which weren't really a fault to mine. You know, like the the statement I like to tell people is like life isn't fair because if life was fair, you could create your own character. Like that's the, that's the joke that I make is like, cause it's true. It's like, if you could create your own character, life would be fair, right? You could make it exactly how you wanted it to be, mm-hmm. but life isn't fair. You can't create your own character. So like you don't get a choice if you were born here versus born there. So, I mean, in that particular case, like I um, don't know if I really forgive myself for a lot of uh, what I went through just because I took it personally. I was like, well, you know, like for example, to get deep on you guys, a lo- uh, for a long time, it was like, I-, I blamed myself because of my mother. I was like, well, I could have done something different. I, I could have said something. I could have done something about it. But in-, in hindsight, you're like, I was a child. Like, it's not my job, the job of a child to take care of an adult. Or, you know, like, you, you-, you don't understand that when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Cause you're just like, oh, I could do something. I can do something. Because I always think that way. Oh, what can I do? What can I do? Um, I'm always trying to think of what I can do. But sometimes you just can't do anything. Like sometimes you actually just have to kind of just let life pass you by. Sometimes it hits you and, and socks you and you, it takes the wind out of you. And sometimes you just kind of got to get up and, you know, take it on the chin or take it on the stomach to complete the analogy. But yeah, so I'm not the best at forgiving myself, but I, I think that that's, um, that's something that I think I'll probably struggle a lot more with later in my life is like, as, as I look back, I'll probably have to really even you know, 10, 15 years in the future, I'll have to still look back and be like, okay, am I still holding myself accountable for these things? Like, have I actually forgiven myself yet? Because it can feel like you've forgiven yourself. But then sometimes it comes back and you're like, no, I still feel this way a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe like a, a two or something like that. Courage. Man, courage is one of those things where it's like hard to describe for me. Like, it's um i think honestly i think a lot of people are courageous so um i guess it's hard for me to rate myself because i'm trying to think like what someone else would rate themselves you know like versus like what i would rate myself like it being courageous like i know people in my family who arguably to me have been way more courageous than i have like you know my aunt for example um came to uh houston had a kid early on the dad was not around he pretty much was abandoning the kid she raised him um she also was going to school and working at the same time she got a degree she was working throughout the entire process like it took her like 10 years to finish her degree because she was going through all of that stuff just you know non-stop but she actually got her degree she became a teacher you know in her 30s and so like that's late for some people right to start mm-hmm. becoming a teacher and so like for me, somebody like that who had to fight through all of that, that's courageous. So when I look at myself, I'm more like, uh, 
I mean, compared to that, I feel like I'm more like a three or something. You know, if that's a five, I'm like a three. Cause that to me took a lot to be like, not only am I going to raise my kid, I'm also not going to give up on my dreams. And I feel like me personally, maybe I'd give up on my dreams if I had a kid to raise, you know, like, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows until you have a kid. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's a really like meta, meta answer, really technical answer, but mm -hmm. I'd say I'm looking at people in my family and I'm like, they're a lot more courageous than I am. So I would say that they're a five. I'm more like a three. All right. Last one. Look. I mean, there's a saying in my family, uh, which is my dad and I paired it the most that we're never lucky. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> I'm going to say like a 1, 1. 1.5, man. My luck has been pretty poor. Like, like uh, the, the, I have a funny story actually to kind of explain this, um, my thought process. So right after I won my tournament in Overwatch and I was starting to really get into the game professionally was right when I got my concussion. So I was like, oh, wow, I'm so lucky, right? Like obviously not lucky. But looking back, whenever I was playing Guild Wars 2, I was sponsored by... Uh, Team Curse, which at the time was a big organization, no longer really exists anymore. I don't think they exist anymore. Was it the one that transferred to Team Liquid? They, they turned into uh, Team Liquid? Yes. I, I'm pretty sure Team Curse was acquired by Team Liquid and mm -hmm. merged together because uh, uh, Liquid112 actually was the guy who recruited me. So Liquid112, for those who follow the scene, is now the big wig at Team Liquid. So it was actually like I emailed him out of the blue and was like, are you guys going to make an Overwatch, sorry, a, a Guild Wars 2 team? And he was like, well, I mean, send me some footage. Like, are you trying to like apply basically? And I was like, like, I couldn't imagine that that would actually work. Just reaching out to the guy worked. And so um, after get, going through that process, getting sponsored, being the first sponsored team in uh, America in Guild Wars 2, the game basically had no support for its esports for at least like a year or two. So it was like, <laughs> I put a year or two of my life into this. And then it was kind of like all the air came out of the balloon. So I would say my, my luck's been pretty poor. But there's also a really good saying um, to not make people want to feel sorry for me because I don't want pity. It's more that when it comes to luck, luck is when um, skill meets kind of like preparation, right? So it's like if you're, if you're just really prepared, then it, you can seem lucky, right? You seem pretty lucky because you've already seen the different... Um, uh, avenues that are going to be, or, or sorry, I should say, you're going to see the different obstacles that are coming at you. So you can kind of preemptively dodge them. So mm -hmm. people are thinking like, wow, this guy's so lucky. He can just move around. Whereas it's more like, no, nah, I just been through so much of the shit that like, I see it coming already. Like on YouTube, you know, people will tell me, oh, within two years, you did 160,000 subs. Like that's a lot. And I'm like, it is a lot, <clears throat> but it's also, I spent seven more, nine more years trying to do YouTube before that and failing over and over again. So it's like, it not like I just started and oh, wow, it worked. It's like, awesome. Yeah. It's like, I, <laughs> I was watching Total Biscuit, you know, Joseph Anderson. Like, I was watching other people, Reykjavik. I was studying their stuff and being like, I can do that. You know, I can do something like that. So yeah, I haven't really been lucky, but I haven't needed luck. So that's a good answer, man. All right. So character creation you said your attributes now you're off to your main quest my friend so what is your main quest it's it's man it's it's shifted a lot and it's going to sound like pretty uh i think it sounds kind of pc to say but it's like what started as just like i want to make cool videos and videos i enjoy quickly became not only do i want to make videos that i enjoy 
I wanted to make um, videos that people can learn from. Because when I first started my series, as much as I could say I started it by trying to just be educational, that's not how it started. It was more of like, almost like I said in my Galaxies video, it was kind of like coming to grips with my own emotions and my own tale with Galaxies as well. It felt like therapeutic in a way. Like I got to go back through my experience of playing the game and kind of like put the game to, to rest, if that makes sense. Like, like almost like be like, that was a part of the chapter in my life, but now I'm kind of moved on to some extent. So it gave me some level of closure. But um, mm. so it started like, just kind of like, oh, I just want to do this about games I played a lot. But then it kind of became a thing. I was like, well, nobody else is doing this. And when you notice nobody else is doing something that's like beneficial, you kind of realize like there's a need, there's a desire, there's a, people wanted that, there was a demand. And um, I was looking at YouTube and realizing like, MMOs have obviously waned in popularity. They're not nearly as popular as they were at one point. And a big part of that is because they don't have popular YouTubers. So I was like, well, a big part of the, you know, the problem is that there needs to be better YouTubers. So I was like, if I can start to do this, then maybe I can also help MMOs at large. And so it started as just being like, <clears throat> I'm just going to do this thing that I find fun. And then it became, I'm going to do this thing I find fun that other people find fun. Then it was like, I also want to teach people and then it kind of became now, um, for example, I've done consulting work with different uh, companies and now it's a lot more, I just want to help the space period. Like I want MMOs mm -hmm. as a genre to improve and get better. And I want gaming as a whole to improve. So like, whether that means, you know, going to a convention, you know, I love doing that. Whether that means going to arcades, I love arcades, like w whether it's PC cafes, like esports, you know, educational content whether it's like streaming like i i support all of it because i i want gaming as a whole to to grow and i think it's because my big long-term goal is is for people to get the same level of enjoyment and utility out of video games that i did because for me you know i tell people that martial arts and video games those things saved my life so without those things i don't know where i would be because i spent so much of my life doing those things I can't imagine what else I would have been doing. And I mean, that's the thing is just like when I was in those teenage years, that's when I could have gotten in the most trouble. And that's when I was playing the most games. So it's like games kept me out of trouble. You know, like I know people where I'm from who died, who were, who robbed people who were, you know, sent to jail, pe um, people who got pregnant, like um, girls who got pregnant in middle school. Like that was like my life growing up. And so I didn't want that to be my future. Of course, I was always thinking like, I want to do something more like I want to do something better than this. You know, I don't want to be stuck here kind of thing. And so I think um, finding a way to teach people the beauty that is gaming, you know, and how helpful it can also be. It's not just like, you know, some people have said recently a way to teach you how to kill people or whatever. Like it's, it's nothing about that. It's, it's not like, you know, GTA isn't going to make you rob the liquor store. Like it, it like none of that stuff's really going to happen, but it, it is going to teach you that, if you are frustrated or you had a bad day at work or you were bored or you're not sure what to do, if you just load up a video game, you can find something to do. You know, it's mm -hmm. like it forces you to be active. And growing up, TV, I hated TV because I would watch it and I'm like, my, my family, my parents watch this stuff and it's so passive. And they would tell me, hey, you play too much video games. In my head, I'm thinking, but I'm active the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I'm not just sitting there watching like, you know, my brain's like kind of slowly melting away. Yeah. I have to play the whole time. And if you don't, you're going to get killed, especially in an online game. So it was like, I, I think that video games really like can be educational and can be therapeutic for people. In fact, if you look at older people, <clears throat> what they'll tell them 
and I've seen this happen, is doctors will prescribe them, you know, like CBD, THC, and tell them play games, like play video games. Like if you want to keep your cognitive abilities going, do like do something medical, but also play games. Like and playing games is a really good way to keep yourself from your mind from deteriorating, from having things like um uh uh alzheimer's you know having things like dementia like video games have been linked to help with things like that so it's like there's actually medical benefits psychological benefits mental benefits yeah um maybe maybe the physical stuff is only if you're playing like just dance or beat saber or you know dance dance revolution because those games are hard on your body and you will lose some calories playing those but yeah i think that's kind of one of my main goals is is trying to unite as many passionate people with gaming as possible and also teach people um about the process of what it takes to make some of these games like for example these online games which you know it's so easy to just say oh um the thing i hated about this game that's why the game didn't do well it's really easy to say that but there's no evidence really like you actually have to find like is that actually something that kept people from playing the game or is it just me and when you start to look at games as more of like not just your opinion of something then you start to realize, well, these things can actually have flaws. You can see the patterns, right? Like this game has this problem, but now I've done, you know, 60 or 50 death of a games. I can see like some of these games have literally the same problems. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's not so unique once you take it away from it's a different game. It's a different team. When you look at it more in a broad perspective, uh, perspective, you're like, actually they made the same mistakes. They, they went too fast. They launched early. Like, and so for me, it's about now, I would say, being an educator. And so the same thing actually applies to martial arts. My goal is to eventually be a black belt. My goal is to eventually teach people, to, to help people learn that they can defend themselves, that they can be confident in themselves, that they can um, feel good about themselves. And I feel like gaming and martial arts together are a perfect marriage in that sense. And it's funny because um, jujitsu is actually considered probably the most nerdy of martial arts. And it's because it's one of the harder ones to do intellectually. It takes a lot of knowledge. It takes a lot of knowing how to react in the right moment. And it's kind of, I'm not going to say it's not about being athletic. That helps. But it's less about being athletic than maybe Muay Thai, right? Or, or karate is all about being athletic and fast and quick and moving. As someone who can do karate and has done it for a long time, you know they're very athletic. But can they necessarily take the pressure, right? That's someone that does jujitsu can, or can they think their way out of a situation versus like, what do, they, what do you do when you get tired, right? Well, like mm -hmm. jujitsu people have a game plan for when they get tired because their art doesn't require them to use that much energy. So it's, it's more intellectual, which I think makes gaming and uh, BJJ kind of really closely knit. And if you hear Joe Rogan or watch Joe Rogan at all, he talks about it. He calls, um, he calls jujitsu the, um, it's a chess with dire physical consequences. But then he also says that the, the biggest killers at jujitsu are basically nerd killers, he calls them. And uh, he describes a nerd killer as basically just a nerd, like a, a guy who loves video games, a guy who studies like hardcore. He's a nerd. They get really good at jujitsu because it's again, it's one of those things where when you're smart, it's, it's something you can get good at. So I just want to show the other nerds basically that you don't have to feel helpless. You don't have to just not do anything whenever I was watching a video the other day and um you know how guys will throw their controllers when they're playing like a shooter or like a fighting game, game range? Yeah, like so it, this one was like when they're at tournaments though. And people oh, will shit. like throw their controller and be like pissed off. And I'm looking at all the, the nerds around them and they're not saying anything. Nobody's even doing anything. And I'm like, okay, if I was there, I'd be like, hey, buddy, you need to get out of here. You're going to hurt somebody. Get all that rage and take that somewhere else. Because like, yeah. 
one thing to have competition it's another thing to be like throwing your shit and like raging out and stuff like that so it's like when i see that it makes me think like these nerds need some martial arts all right because i could tell you if they did at least one or two classes they might have been a little bit confident to be like hey man even as a group there's multiple of you so it's mm -hmm. not just you against one guy you can just say as a group hey we don't want you to come here you know like you're you're gonna like endanger people there's kids here you know like there's like there's old women here like you know what are you doing exactly yeah that's the key fact that that's a good key factor that you brought up what i learned with martial arts is that it definitely brought up my confidence and like you said i definitely recommend everybody taking at least be open-minded to go to a couple classes and see if you yeah. like it or not and which i'm pretty sure y'all will like it <laughs> something is better than nothing like even like, if you just did a couple of classes in a year like mm -hmm. at least you'd have an idea of like okay well at least i know like this little move i can do in case of a bad situation mm -hmm. of course well that's your main quest so with every main quest there's always some side quests so what are some side quests that you're working on um i would say for side quests uh so far it's been um doing like D D role-playing um okay. trying to do things that are yeah like leaving my comfort zone i would say role play was always one of those things when i was younger watching people play D, &D i was like i don't know that might be the next level of nerd that's how i looked at it i was like that's like nerd to the you know next level i was like i don't know if i can quite do that but then of course um role-playing online it wasn't that much of a jump for me to do it in person it was just more getting past the stigma like once you're past the stigma you're like oh this is actually this is even cooler in person because like I can really pretend I'm somebody else. I could even dress up like I'm somebody else. Um, so mm -hmm. I'd say like, that's one of my side uh, quests. One of my short-term goals is to just get better at that. Um, probably get better at singing as well. I like to work on my voice a little bit. Okay. That helps me as um, a commentator, as somebody who obviously gets paid to talk. So like, you know, anytime I can work on my breathing or work on my vocal projection or work on, you know my my ability to hold a note or something like that um those are some short-term goals of mine uh other things i guess would be kind of like um eating more food because i'm one of those people where i don't eat enough and uh it's hard for some people to understand what that means but when you're burning like as many calories as i burn like you you have to eat even more so like mm -hmm. instead of eating like two thousand three thousand calories like most like, i have to eat even more food in order to maintain my my body weight basically so yeah being six five thing. too it's it's a lot right. of maintenance it is and it's 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 honestly i stay around 180 which is like eight percent uh body fat at the moment but i was higher before when i wasn't intermittent fasting but now that i fast it's even harder to fit the food in because you only you have a shorter window so now it's like i lost a lot of fat a lot of in my opinion like the bad fat mm -hmm. but if i wanted to gain more weight i'd have to eat even more so right now i'm just focused on maintaining but i don't know maybe someday i'll care more about seeing what my my true weight is you know like if i could actually eat every day like well like would my weight go up would it kind of stay back down am i not eating enough or you know like so that's kind of my short-term goals are a lot of health related and food related stuff any other side quests? No, I think that's it right now. Cool. All right, so you got the end of your main quest. You finished off your side quests. You reach your final boss. So what is the final boss you wish to conquer? I'd probably would say it'd be, um, for me, it's a broad term, but I'd say freedom. And freedom for me means like financial freedom. It means um, freedom of your mind, your spirit. 
freedom to apply yourself to whatever you think is you know the best place for you to apply yourself and a lot of the the struggles i go through especially building you know a channel building a production studio is like not having resources you know like i can't get a loan from you know whatever place like i don't have that kind of like uh power to have people just give me money um to have my parents or people in my family just give me like a bunch of money and be like all right like go do a business or something like that like i can't just i, I don't have that shortcut so mm -hmm. like it, for me it's a lot of like i have to take my time and slowly build up my resources slowly build up my channel to the point to where i can slowly make acquisitions you know i can hire other people i can get a workspace i can get a camera for example so I, my quality doesn't look like this so it's so dark mm. <laughs> um just things get like light. that, that are, well the light the light does mm -hmm. help a lot and honestly yeah. that one back there just needs a new bulb I'm, I'm i think but i hope it's not broken otherwise because it fell over and broke uh recently and so I don't. I don't know if it's the light itself. Pretty or sure it's, it's a light just... bulb. They're pretty sensitive. Studio okay. lights are pretty sensitive. Okay. Well, then I'm. I'm. I'm hoping that it's just like <laughs> replace it and that's it. But like for me, like little stuff like that actually <clears throat> it matters because I think like oh man, that's another mm -hmm. you know twenty dollars. Like whatever I end up spending, it's like every little cost <clears throat> piles up and it adds up. So I would say my main goal is just the freedom to be able to you know make decisions that aren't just restricted by cost you know and restricted by like my resources so i want to help people but you can't help people if you don't have money to help yourself you know Correct. you can't help people if you don't have like a infrastructure to help yourself so mm -hmm. i can say i want to help as many people as possible but if i can't reach them right like then it doesn't matter if i can't connect with them then it doesn't matter yeah so say you conquer your final boss and it hits game over what is the impact or legacy you wish to leave when somebody opens up your save file? I would definitely hope it would be um, MMOs are very personal to me. I would hope that it would be seen as uh, me pioneering, maybe even just popular thoughts, even if it's just like an idea, right? Like not to say I have to make the game myself. It has to be my game that makes it. But if I can, at least in some part, people can look back and say, for example, like someone I look back on um, who's still around, so his save file is not, you know, completely, uh, yeah, I haven't I hadn't had to pick it up off the ground or anything yet. The guy's still around, but Richard Bartle, the guy who came up with um, the different um, Bartle types. I don't know if you've ever heard of those, Achiever, Killer, like it's a pretty interesting concept. He came up with that a long time ago, PhD in like AI or something like that. Um, so really smart guy. He is the originator of the term and the game, the MUD, so the multi-user dungeon, which is like the first kind of game that happened on the PC. Those are like a text-based game. So once they were text-based games, text-based online games, and then they became multiplayer online games, and they became massive multiplayer online games. So in the same way that I remember that guy as a pioneer and I see his contributions, I, I want someone to be able to look at me and be able to see that kind of similar thing to be like, oh, this guy really helped push the envelope. He helped with education. He helped made it more uh, accessible because a lot of the pioneers of the online world weren't really worried about making it accessible because they were the first. When you're the first, it's kind of hard to worry about like, I, wanna, I want everyone to experience this when you just want even just a little bit of people to experience it. So while he was focused on the little bit of people, I feel like I'm a lot more focused on a lot of people and I'm trying to get mm. as many people as possible to be able to be either inspired by MMOs and um you know speaking of like 
a uh, a main quest of that actually an aspect of that that's a, uh, related to my main quest is MMOs are another aspect that can teach people social interaction. They can teach people how to make friends. They can teach people how to join a guild or how to join a group, how to um, help other people, how to receive help, how to be thankful. Like there's so many social things that an MMO can teach you. So for me, it's like if my legacy is at least um, showing as many people uh, about that capability as possible, that's good mm -hmm. enough for me. All right, last question, man. Where can people find you? Uh, so my YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com uh, slash C slash Nerdslayer Gaming, or you can just look up Nerdslayer, or you can just look up Death of a Game if you want to go see my um, main series that I, I produce uh, about two a month or so. <clears throat> you can also find me on uh, twitch.tv slash Nerdslayer with three R's. My voice is running out, apparently, because um, <laughs> I did a stream yesterday so for like five hours, so my voice oh, is man. totally checked out. Um, so Nerd Slayer, that's three R's on Twitch.tv. Um, you can also go to Twitter, Nerd Slayer G. And then uh, what else do I have? Oh, Instagram, Justin G Time, G-E-E -E Time. So my last name with E-E -E Time, basically. Mm -hmm. Justin G Time, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a pun. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, what else? Discord, you can come join my Discord. It's www.discord.gg slash Nerd Slayer. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's it yeah those are my main outlets alright again man Nerd Slayer thank you so much for coming through sharing your story sharing your safe out man much love much appreciation yeah thanks for having me and honestly um, I'm glad that you know you took the time out of your day to ask me some questions because speaking of being self reflective sometimes when other people are asking you questions you learn more about yourself you know than you do otherwise because I'm not going to ask myself those questions, right? Because in my head, I'm thinking I already know these things. Uh -huh. But when somebody else asks you and you have to actually tell somebody and like formulate the thoughts, you're kind of like, oh, like, um, like I didn't even, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, that's yeah, a, that's a, you're welcome, man. You're welcome. That's the whole goal for this is that I noticed that, you know, everybody knows who the UFC stars are. Everybody knows who these pro football players are, but nobody really knows like the gamers. And especially with esports coming up, you know, it's starting to get more popular. And I wish to, have this platform for people like you to share your story. So thank you again. Yeah, no problem, man. Awesome. Yeah. Having me. Guys, uh, I mean, I don't know. What more can you say? This man, Nerd Slayer, he, uh, his brand story goes by that name. He is a hardcore nerd, which is fine, guys. You could be a nerd. It's cool. Nerd being a nerd is fun. You could be a nerd, but still be a badass at the same time. He's a good example of that. Not only be physically strong, but be mentally strong to build the confidence within yourself to handle certain situations. And not only that, to find yourself. Because as 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 people some know, like him and I would know, we we did we have experience in martial arts. Is that you definitely find yourself physically. And how I said earlier is that you don't really know how strong you are until you have to be strong. And Nerd Slayer is a perfect example of that of him sharing his uh, character creation. So with that being said, gamers, episode 13, if you made it this far, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to his save file. Again, my name's Gold Lion. Stay happy, stay healthy, and most of all gamers, stay golden.